chapter six part two of the life of washington volume four by john marshall this librivox recording is in the public domain in december seventeen eighty four an ordinance was passed for appointing commissioners to purchase land on the delaware in the neighborhood of its falls and to erect thereon the necessary public buildings for the reception of congress and the officers of government but the southern interest had been sufficiently strong to arrest the execution of this ordinance by preventing an appropriation of funds which required the assent of nine states under the existing government this subject had received the early attention of congress and many different situations from the delaware to the potomac inclusive had been earnestly supported but a majority of both houses had not concurred in favor of any one place with as little success attempts had been made to change the temporary residence of congress although new york was obviously too far to the east so many conflicting interests were brought into operation whenever the subject was touched that no motion designating a more central place could succeed at length the compact respecting the temporary and permanent seat of government was entered into between the friends of philadelphia and the potomac stipulating that congress should adjourn to and hold its sessions in philadelphia for ten years during which time buildings for the accommodation of the government should be erected at some place on the potomac to which the government should remove at the expiration of the term this compact having united the representatives of pennsylvania and delaware with the friends of the potomac in favor both of the temporary and permanent residence which had been agreed on between them a majority was produced in favor of the two situations and a bill which was brought into the senate in conformity with this previous arrangement passed both houses by small majorities this act was immediately followed by an amendment to the bill then pending before the senate for funding the debt of the union the amendment was similar in principle to that which had been unsuccessfully proposed in the house of representatives by its provisions twenty one millions five hundred thousand dollars of the state debts were assumed in specified proportions and it was particularly enacted that no certificate should be received from a state creditor which could be ascertained to have been issued for any purpose other than compensations and expenditures for services or supplies towards the prosecution of the late war and the defense of the united states or of some part thereof during the same when the question was taken in the house of representatives on this amendment two members representing districts on the potomac who in all the previous stages of the business had voted against the assumption declared themselves in its favor and thus the majority was changed thus was a measure carried which was supported and opposed with a degree of zeal and earnestness not often manifested and which furnished presages not to be mistaken that the spirit with which the opposite opinions have been maintained would not yield contentedly to the decision of a bare majority this measure has constituted one of the great grounds of accusation against the first administration of the general government and it is fair to acknowledge that though in its progress it derived no aid from the president whose opinion remained in his own bosom it received the full approbation of his judgment a bill at length passed both houses funding the debt upon principles which lessened considerably the weight of the public burdens and was entirely satisfactory to the public creditors the proceeds of the sales of the lands lying in the western territory and by subsequent act of the same session the surplus product of the revenue after satisfying the appropriations which were charged upon it with the addition of two millions which the president was authorized to borrow at five per centum constitute a sinking fund to be applied to the reduction of the debt 
the effect of this measure was great and rapid the public paper suddenly rose and was for a short time above par the immense wealth which individuals acquired by this unexpected appreciation could not be viewed with indifference those who participated in its advantages regarded the author of a system to which they were so greatly indebted with an enthusiasm of attachment to which scarcely any limits were assigned to many others this adventitious collection of wealth in particular hands was a subject rather of chagrin than of pleasure and the reputation which the success of his plans gave to the secretary of the treasury was not contemplated with unconcern as if the debt had been created by the existing government not by a war which gave liberty and independence to the united states its being funded was ascribed by many not to a sense of justice and to a liberal and enlightened policy but to the desire of bestowing on the government an artificial strength by the creation of a moneyed interest which would be subservient to its will the effects produced by giving the debt a permanent value justified the predictions of those whose anticipations had been most favorable the sudden increase of money capital derived from it invigorated commerce and gave a new stimulus to agriculture about this time there was a great and visible improvement in the circumstances of the people although the funding system was certainly not inoperative in producing this improvement it cannot be justly ascribed to any single cause progressive industry had gradually repaired the losses sustained by the war and the influence of the constitution on habits of thinking and acting though silent was considerable in depriving the states of the power to impair the obligation of contracts or to make anything but gold and silver a tender in payment of debts the conviction was impressed on that portion of society which had looked to the government for relief from embarrassment that personal exertions alone could free them from difficulties and an increased degree of industry and economy was the natural consequence of this opinion adjournment of congress on the twelfth of august after an arduous session congress adjourned to meet in philadelphia the first monday in the following december while the discussions in the national legislature related to subjects and were conducted in a temper well calculated to rouse the active spirit of party the external relations of the united states wore an aspect not perfectly serene to the hostile temper manifested by the indians on the western and southern frontiers an increased degree of importance was given by the apprehension that their discontents were fomented by the intrigues of britain and of spain from canada the indians of the northwest were understood to be furnished with the means of prosecuting a war which they were stimulated to continue and to the influence of the governor of the floridas had been partly attributed the failure of the negotiation with the creeks that this influence would still be exerted to prevent a friendly intercourse with that nation was firmly believed and it was feared that spain might take a part in the open hostilities threatened by the irritable dispositions of individuals in both countries from the intimate connections subsisting between the members of the house of bourbon this event was peculiarly deprecated and the means of avoiding it were sought with solicitude these considerations determined the president to make another effort at negotiation but to preserve the respect of these savages for the united states it was at the same time resolved that the agent to be employed should visit the country on other pretexts and should carry a letter of introduction to mcgillivray blending with other subjects a strong representation of the miseries which a war with the united states would bring upon his people and an earnest exhortation to repair with the chiefs of his nation to the seat of the federal government in order to effect a solid and satisfactory peace 
colonel willett was selected for this service and he acquitted himself so well of the duty assigned to him as to induce the chiefs of the nation with macgillivray at their head to repair to new york where negotiations were opened which terminated in a treaty of peace signed on the seventh day of august treaty with the creek indians the pacific overtures made to the indians of the wabash and the miamis not having been equally successful the western frontiers were still exposed to their destructive incursions a long course of experience had convinced the president that on the failure of negotiation sound policy and true economy not less than humanity required the immediate employment of a force which should carry death and destruction into the heart of the hostile settlements either not feeling the same impressions or disposed to indulge the wishes of the western people who declared openly their preference for desultory military expeditions congress did not adopt measures corresponding with the wishes of the executive and the military establishment was not equal to the exigency the distresses of the frontier establishment therefore still continued and the hostility they had originally manifested to the constitution sustained no diminution united states and relations with great britain and spain no progress had been made in adjusting the points of controversy with spain and britain with the former power the question of boundary remained unsettled and the cabinet of madrid discovered no disposition to relax the rigor of its pretensions respecting the navigation of the mississippi its general conduct furnished no foundation for a hope that its dispositions towards the united states were friendly or that it could view their growing power without jealousy the non-execution of the fourth fifth sixth and seventh articles of the treaty of peace still furnished the united states and great britain with matter for reciprocal crimination which there was the more difficulty in removing because no diplomatic intercourse was maintained between them the cabinet of st james having never appointed a minister to the united states and mr adams having returned from london without effecting the object of his mission the american government felt some difficulty in repeating advances which had been treated with neglect yet there was much reason to desire full explanations with the english government and to understand perfectly its views and intentions the subjects for discussion were delicate in their nature and could not be permitted to remain in their present state without hazarding the most serious consequences the detention of a part of the territory of the united states was a circumstance of much importance to the honor as well as to the interests of the nation and the commercial intercourse between the two countries was so extensive as to require amicable and permanent regulations the early attention of the president had been directed to these subjects and in october seventeen eighty nine he had resolved on taking informal measures to sound the british cabinet and to ascertain its views respecting them this negotiation was entrusted to mr governor morris who had been carried by private business to europe and he conducted it with ability and address but was unable to bring it to a happy conclusion the result of his conferences with the duke of leeds and with mr pitt was a conviction that the british government considering the posts they occupied on the southern side of the great lakes as essential to their monopoly of the fur trade would surrender them reluctantly and was not desirous of entering into a commercial treaty those ministers expressed a wish to be on the best terms with america but repeated the complaints which had been previously made by lord carmarthen of the non-execution of the treaty of peace on the part of the united states to the observations made by mr morris that the constitution lately adopted and the courts established under it amounted to a full compliance with that treaty on the part of the american government 
it was answered that losses had already been sustained in consequence of the obstructions given by the states to the fair operation of that instrument which rendered a faithful observance of it at present impossible and in a note the duke of leeds avowed the intention if the delay on the part of the american government to fulfil its engagements made in the treaty should have rendered their final completion impracticable to retard the fulfilment of those which depended entirely on great britain until redress should be granted to the subjects of his majesty on the specific points of the treaty itself or a fair and just compensation obtained for the non-performance of those stipulations which the united states had failed to observe though urged by mr morris to state explicitly in what respects and to what degree he considered the final completion of those engagements to which the united states were bound as having been rendered impracticable no such statement was given and the british government seemed inclined to avoid for the present those full and satisfactory explanations which were sought on the part of the united states after detailing the motives which in his opinion influenced the english cabinet in wishing to suspend for a time all discussions with america mr morris observed perhaps there never was a moment in which this country felt herself greater and consequently it is the most unfavourable moment to obtain advantageous terms from her in any bargain while these negotiations were pending intelligence was received at london of the attack made on the british settlement of nootka sound and preparations were instantly made to resent the insult alleged to have been offered to the nation the high ground taken on this occasion by the government and the vigour with which it armed in support of its pretensions furnished strong reasons for the opinion that a war with spain and probably with france would soon be commenced in america this was considered as a favourable juncture for urging the claims of the united states to the free navigation of the mississippi mr carmichael their charge d'affaires at the court of madrid was instructed not only to press this point with earnestness but to use his utmost endeavours to secure the unmolested use of that river in future by obtaining a cession of the islands of new orleans and of the floridas a full equivalent for this cession would be found it was said in the sincere friendship of the united states and in the security it would give to the territories of spain west of the mississippi mr carmichael was also instructed to point the attention of the spanish government to the peculiar situation of the united states to one half of their territory the use of the mississippi was indispensable no efforts could prevent their acquiring it that they would acquire it either by acting separately or in conjunction with great britain was one of those inevitable events against which human wisdom could make no provision to the serious consideration of the spanish government therefore were submitted the consequences which must result to their whole empire in america either from hostilities with the united states or from a seizure of louisiana by great britain the opinion that in the event of war between great britain and spain louisiana would be invaded from canada was not a mere suggestion for the purpose of aiding the negotiations at madrid it was seriously adopted by the american government and the attention of the executive was turned to the measures which it would be proper to take should application be made for permission to march a body of troops through the unsettled territories of the united states into the dominions of spain or should the attempt be made to march them without permission among the circumstances which contributed to the opinion that in the event of war the arms of great britain would be directed against the settlements of spain and america was the continuance of lord dorchester in the government of canada this nobleman had intimated a wish to visit new york on his return to england but the prospect of a rupture with spain had determined him to remain in canada under the pretext of making his acknowledgments for the readiness with which his desire to pass through new york had been acceded to his lordship despatched major beck 
with a member of his family to sound the american government and if possible to ascertain its dispositions towards the two nations alluding to the negotiations which had been commenced in london this gentleman endeavoured to assign a satisfactory cause for the delays which had intervened it was not improbable he said that these delays and some of the circumstances might have impressed mr morris with an idea of backwardness on the part of the british ministry his lordship however had directed him to say that an inference of this sort would not in his opinion be well founded as he had reason to believe that the british cabinet was inclined not only towards a friendly intercourse but towards an alliance with the united states major beckwith represented the particular ground of quarrel as one which ought to interest all commercial nations in favour of the views of great britain and from that circumstance he presumed that should a war ensue the united states would find their interest in taking part with britain rather than with spain after expressing the concern with which lord dorchester had heard of the depredations of the savages on the western frontier of the united states he declared that his lordship so far from countenancing these depredations had taken every proper opportunity to impress upon the indians a pacific disposition and that on his first hearing of the outrages lately committed he had sent a messenger to endeavour to prevent them major beckwith further intimated that the perpetrators of the late murders were banditti composed chiefly of creeks and cherokees in the spanish interest over whom the governor of canada possessed no influence these communications were laid before the president and appeared to him to afford an explanation of the delays experienced by mr morris he was persuaded that a disposition existed in the cabinet of london to retain things in their actual situation until the intentions of the american government should be ascertained with respect to the war supposed to be approaching if the united states would enter into an alliance with great britain and would make a common cause with her against spain the way would be smooth to the attainment of all their objects but if america should be disinclined to such a connection and especially if she should manifest any partiality towards spain no progress would be made in the attempt to adjust the point of difference between the two nations taking this view of the subject he directed that the further communications of mr beckwith should be heard civilly and that their want of official authenticity should be hinted delicately without using any expressions which might in the most remote degree impair the freedom of the united states to pursue without reproach in the expected war such a line of conduct as their interests or honour might dictate in the opinion that it would not only be useless but dishonourable further to press a commercial treaty or the exchange of ministers and that the subject of the western posts ought not again to be moved on the part of the united states until they should be in a condition to speak a decisive language the powers given to mr morris were withdrawn should the interest of britain produce a disposition favourable to an amicable arrangement of differences and to a liberal commercial intercourse secured by compact it was believed that she would make the requisite advances until then or until some other change of circumstances should require a change of conduct things were to remain in their actual situation about the time of adopting this resolution the dispute between britain and spain was adjusted finding france unwilling to engage in his quarrel his catholic majesty too weak to encounter alone the force of the british empire yielded every point in controversy and thus were terminated for the present both the fear of inconveniences and the hope of advantages which might result to america from hostilities between the two powers whose dominions were in her neighbourhood and with each of whom she was already engaged in controversies not easily to be accommodated the president visits mount vernon 
incessant application to public business and the consequent change of active for sedentary habits had greatly impaired the constitution of the president and during the last session of congress he had for the second time since entering on the duties of his present station been attacked by a severe disease which reduced him to the brink of the grave exercise and a temporary relief from the cares of office being essential to the restoration of his health he determined for the short interval afforded by the recess of the legislature to retire to the tranquil shades of mount vernon after returning from a visit to rhode island which state not having then adopted the american constitution had not been included in his late tour through new england he took leave of new york and hastened to that peaceful retreat and those rural employments his taste for which neither military glory nor political power could ever diminish after a short indulgence in these favorite scenes it became necessary to repair to philadelphia in order to meet the national legislature the president's speech in the speech delivered to congress at the commencement of their third session the president expressed much satisfaction at the favorable prospect of public affairs and particularly noticed the progress of public credit and the productiveness of the revenue adverting to foreign nations he said the disturbed situation of europe and particularly the critical posture of the great maritime powers whilst it ought to make us more thankful for the general peace and security enjoyed by the united states reminds us at the same time of the circumspection with which it becomes us to preserve these blessings it requires also that we should not overlook the tendency of a war and even of preparations for war among the nations most concerned in active commerce with this country to abridge the means and thereby at least to enhance the price of transporting its valuable productions to their proper market to the serious reflection of congress was recommended the prevention of embarrassments from these contingencies by such encouragement to american navigation as would render the commerce and agriculture of the united states less dependent on foreign bottoms after expressing to the house of representatives his confidence arising from the sufficiency of the revenues already established for the objects to which they were appropriated he added allow me moreover to hope that it will be a favorite policy with you not merely to secure a payment of the interest of the debt funded but as far and as fast as the growing resources of the country will permit to exonerate it of the principle itself many subjects relative to the interior government were succinctly and briefly mentioned and the speech concluded with the following impressive and admonitory sentiment in pursuing the various and weighty business of the present session i indulge the fullest persuasion that your consultations will be marked with wisdom and animated by the love of country in whatever belongs to my duty you shall have all the cooperation which an undiminished zeal for its welfare can inspire it will be happy for us both in our best reward if by a successful administration of our respective trusts we can make the established government more and more instrumental in promoting the good of our fellow-citizens and more and more the object of their attachment and confidence the addresses of the two houses in answer to the speech proved that the harmony between the executive and legislative departments with which the government had gone into operation had sustained no essential interruption but in the short debate which took place on the occasion in the house of representatives a direct disapprobation of one of the measures of the executive government was for the first time openly expressed in the treaty lately concluded with the creeks an extensive territory claimed by georgia under treaties the validity of which was contested by the indian chiefs had been entirely or in great part relinquished this relinquishment excited serious discontents in that state and was censured by general jackson with considerable warmth as an unjustifiable abandonment of the rights and interests of georgia no specific motion however was made and the subject was permitted to pass away for the present 
scarcely were the debates on the address concluded when several interesting reports were received from the secretary of the treasury suggesting such further measures as were deemed necessary for the establishment of public credit it will be recollected that in his original report on this subject the secretary had recommended the assumption of the state debts and had proposed to enable the treasury to meet the increased demand upon it which this measure would occasion by an augmentation of the duties on imported wines spirits tea and coffee and by imposing duties on spirits distilled within the country the assumption not having been adopted until late in the session the discussion on the revenue which would be required for this portion of the public debt did not commence until the house had become impatient for an adjournment as much contrariety opinion was disclosed and the subject did not press it was deferred to the ensuing session and an order was made requiring the secretary of the treasury to prepare a report such further provision as might in his opinion be necessary for establishing the public credit in obedience to this order several reports have been prepared the first of which repeated the recommendation of an additional impost on foreign distilled spirits and of a duty on spirits distilled within the united states the estimated revenue from these sources was eight hundred and seventy seven thousand five hundred dollars affording a small excess over the sum which would be required to pay the interest on the assumed debt the policy of the measure was discussed in a well-digested and able argument detailing many motives in addition to those assigned in his original report for preferring the system now recommended to accumulated burdens on commerce or to a direct tax on lands a new tax is the certain rallying point for all those who are unfriendly to the administration or to the minister by whom it is proposed but that recommended by the secretary contained intrinsic causes of objection which would necessarily add to the number of its enemies all that powerful party in the united states which attached itself to the local rather than to the general government would inevitably contemplate any system of internal revenue with jealous disapprobation they consider the imposition of a tax by congress on any domestic manufacture as the intrusion of a foreign power into their particular concerns which excited serious apprehensions for state importance and for liberty in the real or supposed interests of many individuals was also found a distinct motive for hostility to the measure a large portion of the american population especially that which had spread itself over the extensive regions of the west consuming imported articles to a very inconsiderable amount was not much affected by the impost on foreign merchandise but the duty on spirits distilled within the united states reached them and consequently rendered them hostile to the tax seventeen ninety one debate on the excise law a bill which was introduced in pursuance of the report was opposed with great vehemence by a majority of the southern and western members by some of them it was insisted that no sufficient testimony had yet been exhibited that the taxes already imposed would not be equal to the exigencies of the public but admitting the propriety of additional burdens on the people it was contended that other sources of revenue less exceptionable and less odious than this might be explored the duty was branded with the hateful epithet of an excise a species of taxation it was said so peculiarly oppressive as to be abhorred even in england and which was totally incompatible with the spirit of liberty the facility with which it might be extended to other objects was urged against its admission into the american system and declarations made against it by the congress of seventeen seventy five were quoted in confirmation of the justice with which inherent vices were ascribed to this mode of collecting taxes so great was the hostility manifested against it in some of the states that the revenue officers might be endangered from the fury of the people and in all it would increase a ferment which had been already extensively manifested resolutions of maryland virginia and north carolina 
reprobating the assumption were referred to as unequivocal evidences of growing dissatisfaction and the last-mentioned state had even expressed its decided hostility to any law of excise the legislature of north carolina had rejected with scorn a proposal for taking an oath to support the constitution of the united states had refused to admit persons sentenced to imprisonment under the laws of the united states into their jails and another circumstance was alluded to but not explained which was said to exhibit a temper still more hostile to the general government than either of those which had been stated when required to produce a system in lieu of that which they so much execrated the opponents of a bill alternately mentioned an increased duty on imported articles generally a particular duty on molasses a direct tax a tax on salaries pensions and lawyers a duty on newspapers and a stamp act the friends of the bill contended that the reasons for believing the existing revenue would be insufficient to meet the engagements of the united states were as satisfactory as the nature of the case would admit or as ought to be required the estimates were founded on the best data which were attainable and the funds already provided had been calculated by the proper officer to pay the interest on that part of the debt only for which they were pledged those estimates were referred to as documents from which it would be unsafe to depart they were also in possession of official statements showing the productiveness of the taxes from the time the revenue bill had been in operation and arguments were drawn from these demonstrating the danger to which the infant credit of the united states would be exposed by relying on the existing funds for the interest on the assumed debt it was not probable that the proposed duties would yield a sum much exceeding that which would be necessary but should they fortunately do so the surplus revenue might be advantageously employed in extinguishing a part of the principal they were not they said of opinion that a public debt was a public blessing or that it ought to be perpetuated an augmentation of the revenue being indispensable to the solidity of the public credit a more eligible system than that proposed in the bill could not it was believed be devised still further to burden commerce would be a hazardous experiment which might afford no real supplies to the treasury until some light should be derived from experience it behooved the legislature to be cautious not to lay such impositions upon trade as might probably introduce a spirit of smuggling which with a nominal increase would occasion a real diminution of revenue in the opinion of the best judges the impost on the mass of foreign merchandise could not safely be carried further for the present the extent of the mercantile capital of the united states would not justify the attempt forcible arguments were also drawn from the policy and the justice of multiplying the subjects of taxation and diversifying them by a union of internal with external objects neither would a direct tax be advisable the experience of the world had proved that a tax on consumption was less oppressive and more productive than a tax on either property or income without discussing the principles on which the fact was founded the fact itself was incontestable that by insensible means much larger sums might be drawn from any class of men than could be extracted from them by open and direct taxes to the latter system there were still other objections the difficulty of carrying it into operation no census having yet been taken would not be inconsiderable and the expense of collection through a country thinly settled would be enormous add to this that public opinion was believed to be more decidedly and unequivocally opposed to it than to a duty on ardent spirits north carolina had expressed her hostility to the one as well as to the other and several other states were known to disapprove of direct taxes from the real objections which existed against them and for other reasons suggested in the report of the secretary they ought it was said to remain untouched as a resource when some great emergency should require an exertion of all the faculties of the united states 
against the substitution of a duty on internal negotiations it was said that revenue to any considerable extent could be collected from them only by means of a stamp act which was not less obnoxious to popular resentment than an excise would be less certainly productive than the proposed duties and was in every respect less eligible the honor the justice and the faith of the united states were pledged it was said to that class of creditors for whose claims the bill under consideration was intended to provide no means of making the provision had been suggested which on examination would be found equally eligible with a duty on ardent spirits much of the public prejudice which appeared in certain parts of the united states against the measure was to be ascribed to their hostility to the term excise a term which had been inaccurately applied to the duty in question when the law should be carried into operation it would be found not to possess those odious qualities which had excited resentment against a system of excise in those states where the collection of a duty on spirits distilled within the country had become familiar to the people the same prejudices did not exist on the good sense and virtue of the nation they could confidently rely for acquiescence in a measure which the public exigencies rendered necessary which tended to equalize the public burdens and which in its execution would not be oppressive a motion made by mr jackson to strike out that section which imposed a duty on domestic distilled spirits was negatived by thirty-six to sixteen and the bill was carried by thirty-five to twenty-one end of chapter six part two